Welcome to a very mindful podcast, the mindfulness podcast at the Center for Innovation at Leiden University. Here we talk about the theory of mindfulness meditation and mental health and practice together with the help of guided meditations. Today, together with Rose Elst, we will talk about the well-being and mental health among students at the university. She's a student well-being counselor and a policy officer at International Studies. And I'm your host, Nicole, and I wish you a mindful time in the following episode. Hi, Rose. Thanks so much for being here today with me virtually, and it's really nice to talk to you. How are you? I hope you're doing well. Are you also working from home before the holidays? Hi, Nicole. Thanks uh, so much for uh, inviting me. Um, yep, I'm also in my living room uh, next to my Christmas tree because it's still December now um, working. Yeah. It looks amazing, to be honest. Um, so let's just dive straight into our first question. I wanted to ask you how you think well-being and mental health can contribute to yeah. academic success at university. Yeah, um, I think that's a very interesting uh, question to start with. Um, I was discussing it with a friend uh, yesterday and she said, well, isn't it very contradicting to uh, mention well-being and success in one sentence? Um, and she said, it's like well-being should be a means to academic success instead of a goal in itself. Um, and I agree with her that sometimes uh, it feels like academic success should be the one goal to strive for, um, for example, looking at the binding study advice. Um, but I would like to see that academic success, uh, or in our conversation, is, is not just getting super grades all the time, but um, it's different for every individual. And, and every individual's best achievement is obviously quite subjective to you. Yeah. Um, but also the term well-being, um, as you might know, there are several forms of well-being. Many models have, have also been created to explain this. Um, but most important is to be uh, aware that there are different dimensions, I think. Um, for example, social well-being. Uh, do we have social relationships, social stability? Do we love and are we loved? Uh, physical well-being. Uh, are you able to perform physical activity? Um, but also some less obvious, for example, financial well-being. So do you feel a sense of security and, and feeling as though you have enough means to uh, to meet your needs um, but but to not to dwell too much and, and answer your question um, I think it's not surprising that there is a positive relationship between emotional and psychological well-being and academic achievement so if you are able to uh, practice stress management techniques uh, be resilient uh, and generate the emotions that lead to good feelings it is likely that you do better academically yeah mm, yes i really liked your redefining of success that it shouldn't just mean getting good grades or having written really good assignments or essays but that it should be somewhat of a content feeling that you're doing well along the journey of studying or general in work um so yeah i think that also now we have to redefine success in online learning and teaching of course and with that I wanted to ask you mm -hmm. do you know maybe some ways in which stress fatigue can be tackled or prevented among students of course or professionals yeah 
Um, that's a very good question. I, I think we've, we are all quite bombarded with articles and news on how to prevent Zoom fatigue and, and uh, how to uh, prevent bad posture and just be zen in these stressful times. Um, <laughs> I also spoke to a student the other day and uh, she told me that she was even getting more tired of people uh, starting every sentence in these articles with in these difficult times and in these stressful times because she said I already know it is stressful I experience it every day um, so maybe that's tip number one um, stop mentioning it it's so hard for everyone um, but do try other ways to show your your sympathy or, or empathy uh, to the other now but um, seriously there are very alarming uh, consequences regarding mental uh, and physical health uh, of working on a laptop or computer screen for long periods, um, including well, insomnia, low mood, uh, etc. Um, but let's let's dive further into how uh, well how stress and, and fatigue can be prevented or tackled, and then be a bit positive in this podcast too. Um, concerning the prevention of stress. Um, obviously, there are all the tips that you hear every day, so uh, stay active, eat healthy, etc. Um, and after being active, you're also much more likely to cook a nutritious meal after. Um, so it also brings you in a positive cycle. Um, personally, I wasn't really the person to go, for example, on walks on my own. Um, but what has really helped me since the COVID outbreak is, uh, for example, to call a friend or my mom and speak to them while I'm talking. I don't know if this is very mindful, but it does help me uh, to keep active uh, and combine it all. Uh, and what I uh, see a lot of students and, and people around me do is that they expect to be um, well, as effective and productive as they were before the corona crisis, or even expect to get more work done, uh, since we all have so much time now at home. So for example, people putting a lot of pressure on themselves to, to spend their, well, their extra time learning a new language, new sports every day, and do other sorts of well, self-development. Um, well, obviously, this is not inherently bad. Um, you do have to ask yourself why you are doing this. So is it because you are bored otherwise and uh, you find it relaxing? Well, that's great. Um, but is it because you put a lot of pressure on yourself to spend every minute in a useful way, then maybe it's time to be uh, a bit more gentle to yourself. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, it's it's a bit cheesy, but would you expect a friend to do all those things that you want yourself to do? Uh, then why do you expect it from yourself? Yeah. Do you recognize this? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do recognize this uh, for myself too. I also wanted to be more productive and more creative with my time at yeah. home. But as time passed, uh, and also with the help of mindfulness practices, mm -hmm. I allowed myself to take a step back and relax more, or also take a mental health day off if I need it. And one thing that I have encountered among my friends is something that I would maybe call mm, Zoom fatigue. Um, do you maybe have some tips here? Um... I do. Um, first of all, I, I would say avoid multitasking. I know it's very tempting. Um, so for example, when listening to an online lecture, uh, it's easy to think that you can use the opportunity to do more in less time. Um, but research does show that uh, trying to do multiple time uh, or multiple things uh, at once uh, cuts into performance. So 
because you have to turn certain parts of your brain off and on for different types of work. Uh, switching between tasks can cost you well, as much as 40% of your productive time. So uh, the next time you're here on a video chat, close any tabs or programs that might distract you, uh, your inbox, um, WhatsApp, Put your phone away and, and stay present. And I did hear stories from students who, uh, for example, listen to a lecture uh, while ironing their clothes or uh, while going on a walk. So very repetitive uh, activity. Um, I can imagine that can help uh, you to keep listening instead of falling asleep. Uh, but at least uh, don't try to have a WhatsApp conversation at the same time, um, even though it's very tempting. <laughs> so secondly, um, when you're in control of your own screen time, uh, what really helps me is to uh, make blocks of 25 or 50, 50 minutes uh, instead of the standard 30 or 60. Uh, so by this, you give yourself enough time uh, in between to get up uh, and move around for a bit. And this really helps me since many meetings are standard 30 or 60 meetings. So uh, when you have back-to-back -back meetings, you don't get any movement at all. And maybe finally, uh, a very quick tip is to alter the setting to hide yourself from view. And most of us are also staring at a small window of ourselves, uh, making us super aware of every wrinkle, every expression and how it might be interpreted. <laughs> I think we all uh, recognize this. Um, you can also reduce other on-screen stimuli by uh, switching from gallery view to speaker view. So you only see the speaker instead of all the little heads. Uh, and by this, you give your brain a break from all the visual cues you're attempting to process by uh, looking at others uh, and their backgrounds, which can be quite fun and entertaining, but sometimes it can also be very distracting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you for sharing those tips. I like that you mentioned uh, putting away yourself from the view, because I think we all catch ourselves just staring at our own frame and checking yeah. it ourselves out. <laughs> um, yes, yeah. but moving away to a more general topic, um, of course, now in online learning, staff and students, uh, staff and teachers play a big supportive role for students. And mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you maybe for your opinion or expertise, yeah. what role do you think teachers and other staff members play when supporting online learning of students? Yeah, well, I believe teachers and other staff members can play a huge role uh, in supporting distance learning of students. Um, often mentioned um, in our recently conducted well-being survey uh, of international studies is that uh, students very much appreciate small gestures. So, for example, a short email or a short video uh, from staff just, just expressing, well, their, their sympathy or empathy to the students. Um, and, well, in an ideal world, teachers could also spend a couple of minutes during their online class on how students are doing. Of course, this is not always realistic, uh, I'm very aware. Um, but I also sometimes hear uh, teachers um, that they, for example, open the online room the 10 minutes before or after an online class to give the opportunity to just chat with each other um, like you normally would in an on-campus class. Uh, I think this is great and these moments before and just after class uh, can be super valuable. Yeah. So in our didactics and the structure of our education, um, 
can also make a big impact on students' learning process. Um, a student told me that um, he had to do uh, group work for a, for a course uh, online uh, and their group was distributed all over the world uh, since some of the students had gone home. So with the time difference, uh, this was already super challenging, but their assignment uh, or part of their assignment was to make a vis physical poster together. Yeah, um, well, he said this caused quite some annoyance in the students. Uh, and I can't really imagine this. So this assignment could have been a great opportunity to, well, make use of new creative online ways of learning. Uh, and this example made me also realize that even though, even though it's sometimes hard and, and I understand that we don't have that much time, mm -hmm. uh, we do perhaps should see the online teaching more uh, as an opportunity. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, <laughs> I do like the point you mentioned that maybe a little bit of a personal touch to a class or a lecture um, helps building this bond yeah. that is there in person. Um, but of course, teachers are not immune to stress and the immense workload right now. And um, yeah. I understand that, especially now uh, and after almost two semesters of online education. Uh, teachers and, and other staff experience quite some pressure and, and have a huge plate of work. Um, and in the, the well-being survey uh, that we conducted, students also mentioned that they notice their teacher is stressed, uh, resulting also in feeling restless themselves. So it's a bit like, like a child just sensing that something is wrong with, with his or her parents. Um, so that shows that taking care of our students also means taking care of our staff and teachers and mm -hmm. being enabled by the university to do so. Mm -hmm. I think that's also very important when talking about student well-being, staff and, and yeah, staff well-being. Yeah, yeah, I think absolutely these things are correlated and I also do encounter a lot of students uh, and colleagues that do have a lot of compassion and even gratitude yeah. towards um, our teachers that work so hard um, from home um, yeah also providing us the service of education um, mm -hmm. it very much is one right now um, <laughs> so there is gratefulness definitely among students as well and we also know that we're all stressed or all um, in the same situation um, but with that I wanted to ask you if you know maybe some initiatives or what the university is currently doing in terms of mental health and well-being. I know that the well-being weeks are coming up in January, February next month, uh, next year. Is there anything else right now? Yeah, maybe maybe to start with, with the one example uh, you already gave. Um, we're very excited that the university uh, organizes from mid-January to mid-February the well-being weeks. For, uh, for total weeks um, and these university-wide weeks uh, provide students with a diverse offer of uh, mostly online but also some on-campus activities that help uh, students um, well, strengthen their own well-being uh, and resilience. So think about interesting workshops, uh, a well-being podcast made, made by students, um, but also sports lessons and, and just fun activities to connect with others. Um, and what I find important is that we not only facilitate one-time workshops, but during these weeks, students are made aware of the already existing trainings and initiatives. Um, so where after uh, they can continue when the weeks are over. 
And I think those activities can give uh, well, much more sustainable support. Um, what International Studies organizes during its weeks uh, is an uh, event called Failing Forward. Um, and this event is all about, well, it sounds a bit strange maybe, but it's, it's all about um, sharing our study-related failures instead of successes. Um, so think of experiences from studying abroad, internships, exams. Um, so we all have uh, recognizable stories on things that did not go as planned. And in this society, we're, we're so focused on uh, sharing our successes constantly that you easily think you're the only one experiencing something difficult. Uh, and this event really is to, uh, yeah, to break down the wall of shame and to share that some things might not go as planned. Um, you fell on your face and that's okay. So it's a bit of shameless self-promotion, but be sure to check out the Wellbeing Weeks program uh, for this event and others, obviously. Yeah. So in terms of student support, um, I would like to focus um, before we end this podcast on the study coordinator, mm-hmm. um, because I, the study coordinator or the study advisor uh, is someone you can always go to when you're struggling with mental health issues. And um, apparently this is not so obvious as it might sound um, mm-hmm. in our well-being survey. 16% uh, of the students said to go to their coordinator of studies when struggling with their well-being. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously struggling with well-being is quite a subjective construct, uh, but it was quite striking to me. And mm-hmm. what I often hear is, uh, for example, uh, if a friend would be struggling with something, I would advise her to go to her uh, study coordinator straight away. But yeah. if I am experiencing the same thing, Uh, I would not go there myself. So for some reason, for yourself, you might think you'll figure it out on your own. Um, And obviously, if you you like to talk to a friend or family, uh, that can also be very helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, But the STUCO can can help you raise awareness to certain initiatives uh, or ask you questions that you might or that might help you uh, in ways you could not have done yourself. Uh, So also when your issue is not directly affecting your studies, I think that's that's a quite common misconception about the Stuco. That uh, they're also there for issues not directly study related. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, I think that's a good piece of advice at the end of this podcast. The student coordinators or advisors can be our first point of contact in yeah in mm-hmm. need. Um, and with that, I wanted to thank you very much for being here today and for taking the time. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and I would like to let you go with the last question. Why do you think mindfulness matters? It's a good question. Uh, I, I don't see myself as a mindfulness expert, um, but I do think that mindfulness matters uh, since it can help you seeing things as they are uh, and not putting our heads under the sand, uh, not pushing away the uh, unpleasant just see and respond to uh, what is here and now and I believe that does not make you an instant spiritual guru Uh, on the contrary it can help you becoming uh, incredibly down to earth 